So the reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 27, and it can be found on page 1088 in the Bibles in your place. 1,088. Concerning spiritual gifts. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between, distinguishing between spirits. And to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think of are less honourable. We treat with special honour, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, 
while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Julie. Uh, Nigel is going to speak to us this morning as we carry on with our 1 Corinthians series. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Nigel. We thank you for all that he brings to our church. We thank you for the time that he has spent preparing this message for us this morning. We pray that you would speak through him, that his words would be your words to us. And Father, may our hearts and our minds and our lives be changed through your word to us this morning. Amen. Good morning. <coughs> it's a privilege to be back and uh, able to come and share some reflections on this wonderful passage that Paul has written in his letter to Corinthians. But first, before we look more closely at that, a question. Perhaps some of you here play an orchestral musical instrument. And if so, you're probably aware of that hidden hierarchy that exists in orchestras, where the violins, who contain the leader of the orchestra, uh, often exert dominance over lowly instruments like violas, who always get a hard time. Or maybe the high-profile brass instruments like trumpets and trombones look down and despise tubers and triangles and other instruments like that. Well, the less well-regarded instruments are often crucial in many orchestras, and orchestras can't function properly without them. So let's listen, first of all, to the final part of a musical story in which a poor tuber who's felt very bullied and ignored by the other orchestral instruments suddenly has been encouraged by a lonely bullfrog to try and develop his gifts and realise that in fact he can play a melody and make a contribution that's valuable to the orchestra. And some of you might recognise the voice of the narrator, I'll ask you later. So Joel, if you can find the clip. Joel was busy tuning up for the rehearsal and buzzing with excitement over the arrival of the great new conductor, Signor Pizzicato. Signor Pizzicato, tell me I've never heard a tuba play a melody before. Would you play the rest of it?
and me said the trombone. <coughs> May I said the cellist. sitting right beside him. Oh, thought Tubby, how happy I am. Who recognized the voice of the narrator? This is a, now, this is a real test. The 9.30, several people got it. <laughs> Back in my time, anybody? Danny Kay, that's right, Danny Kay. And if you want the whole story, then go on YouTube. It's a wonderful story. The message really is everybody needs a bullfrog <coughs> to encourage us. So in this wonderful story of Tubby the tuba, the lonely tuba has put aside his usual umpire and suddenly discovered that he can play a melody that's valuable for the whole orchestra. And so as Paul teaches us today about the value of being part of the body... And it was wonderful to watch Arthur's face, wondering what instrument he would be and is already and will become as part of the body. Um, then perhaps those of us who might feel a bit insignificant at the moment might discover that we can play a melody as well, a melody that's written just for us, and we can contribute to God's orchestra here in this place. And so what we're doing in this series is looking at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Corinthians living in a city which had a mix of Greek and Roman culture and in fact where there was a lot of Greek mystery religion around and people actually expected to have supernatural ecstatic spiritual experiences uh, when they went off to a religious ceremony and so here in chapter 12 what Paul's wanting to do is to instruct them about the work of the Holy Spirit and about spiritual gifts and help them to distinguish between their new Christian experience and their previous practice and religious experience. And interestingly, at the beginning, he makes it clear in verse 3 that if a person has said, Jesus is Lord, that most basic statement of faith, it can only be inspired by the Holy Spirit, because saying that was a very dangerous thing in those times. Because the word for Lord was the word used for the emperor of the Roman Empire. And if you went around saying Jesus is Lord, you were effectively saying Jesus is Lord, but Caesar isn't. And that might at that point have risked a death sentence. Can you go on, Joel? A couple of slides would be fine. Thank you. That's just a reminder about Tubby this tube. If you just go on one more. Thank you. So in verses 4 to 7... In order to emphasize the unity needed in the church, in the body of Christ, Paul emphasizes the unity in the Godhead. That's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because Paul points out that the Spirit 
gives gifts to everybody. And those gifts are given freely by God's grace. They're not earned. They're not deserved. They're not things that we can merit and have as a reward for our maturity. And then the same Lord, Jesus, inspires different kinds of service because that reflects the attitude of Jesus, his nature. Because he took on the nature of a servant. And Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And the same God the Father gives different kinds of working. And the word used for working there is that word meaning power and energy spilling out into the world. So there's no room for pride in our gifts, which have been freely given to us. They're to be used in the sacrificial service of others and through the power that God provides. And most importantly, they are all for the common good. And so we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to distribute all the gifts available to the church. And Paul begins by providing a list of them in the next verses from verses 7 to 11. Joel, if, oh, thank you, you've moved it on. So just some of the gifts here that Paul mentions, I'll just say a brief word about each of them. The gift of wisdom, first of all, such as Jesus knew how to answer those who tried to trick him, or when the apostles knew what to say when they were standing in front of rulers. A gift of knowledge, such as when Paul knew that Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 had cheated God out of some of the proceeds of the property that they'd sold. A gift of faith, which is illustrated by many characters in New and Old Testament, those listed in Hebrews 11, for example. People who had confidence in what God could do, even when they couldn't see it. Somebody once wrote that faith is a bit like the bird who knows the dawn is coming and sings, even when it's still dark. Then there are gifts of healing. Healing, there are many examples of, both in Jesus' ministry and the ministry of the apostles in the early church and that we see today, which is why the apostle James exhorts us to call on the elders of the church to pray over a person who is sick. Then the miraculous powers exercised by Jesus and the apostles and still today. Gift of prophecy, which can be both foretelling what may happen in the future and also forthtelling, saying what's on God's mind and heart by way of instruction and guidance and warning. Distinguishing between spirits such as when Paul noticed the slave girl in Philippi was possessed by an evil spirit that had to be cast out. Speaking in tongues, a gift which Paul used frequently in his private devotions but with a caveat that it should only be used in public worship when there was someone there who could interpret it for the benefit of everyone. And there are other gifts in other New Testament letters, which I'll just mention briefly so they can be in our minds. In the letter to the Romans, we read about prophesying again, serving, teaching, encouraging Contributing to the needs of others, leadership and showing mercy. In Ephesians, Paul writes about gifts that are virtually ministries within the church of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher. And Peter writes 
in his first letter about hospitality and serving again. Notice how often that comes up. Now, no list is exhausted, and there are doubtless others that we could mention. I think particularly of creative gifts, often in the Old Testament, the creative gifts of those who helped to build the tabernacle or the temple, creative gifts used today in, illust- in decorations around our church, in the lovely flowers on the altar table. And many, many different gifts are needed for the building up of the church here in Camborne. And some gifts have a higher profile, such as being up front in services or meetings, such as working with children and young people. Others are less evident, such as office administration, or visiting, or serving, or encouraging, or contributing to the needs of others. And the gifts are given by the Spirit to each individual as the Spirit determines. Verse 11. But they're not given to the individual for our own benefit, but for the benefit of the whole church body. And it struck me last week when Chris Duffett was speaking that in learning about the centrality of communion, we're reminded that the bread that we break is a participation in the body of Christ. And we often say we who are many are one body. For we all partake of one bread. And Paul effectively continues this teaching in chapter 12, stating that we are the body of Christ. Not like the body, but we are actually the body. And it struck me that in Acts chapter 9, when Saul meets Jesus on the Damascus Road, the conversation goes like this. Jesus asks, asks him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then when Saul asks who is speaking to him, Jesus reveals himself and says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So when Paul arrested, imprisoned, and persecuted the followers of Jesus at that time, he was persecuting Jesus himself. Those early Christians were the body of Christ. Have we grasped this understanding of what it means collectively to be Jesus' body? Do any of us feel without value at the moment? We are, in fact, part of Jesus' presence in the world here in Camborne in our community, in our families, in our clubs, in our societies, in our places of work. We are, as Paul goes on to describe, Jesus' hands and feet, his eyes and his ears. He has no other body but us. And so from verse 12 onwards in the second part of this chapter, like most good teachers, Paul repeats the key point to make sure his readers don't miss out. So we read in verse 12, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. Verse 14, now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. Verse 27, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. If you read the chapter, you can't miss the key point. 
You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. So look around. Each one of us is a part of the body of Christ. And looking at the image of a body, this is not a medical test. I'm going to ask you to fill in the lines to say which part of the body is being pointed at. The question is, where would we write our name? On which part of the body might we write our name to indicate the sort of way in which we are going to participate in and be part of the body? Some much more high profile than others because we all have something to contribute. As Paul says, we've been baptised by one spirit into one body and being given the same spirit to drink. So our baptism has given us a new status in Christ, marking our initiation into the body of Christ. Remember the encouragement last week of four young people who were baptised, saying, Jesus is Lord, I want to walk this way, I want to be part of this body. And we said we welcome you as part of this body remarkable testimony and encouragement and we need to go on encouraging them in the weeks ahead and we've been empowered by the same spirit as we drink the spirit in order to allow him to fill and sustain us and within the body of Christ barriers should be broken down because Paul says there's no Jew or Greek no slave or free but what does that mean for us because we're not sitting here thinking some of us are Jews and some are Greeks and some are slave and some are free what sort of differences might exist here? I've just jotted down a few that came to mind. There are social and cultural differences between us, perhaps based on our upbringing, on our education, on our nationality. We all have different expectations. We represent a wide variety of ages and life experiences. We may have different tendencies. Some of us are a bit more intellectual, perhaps. We're thinkers and planners. Some people are much more practical. Get away from the words. We want to get on and do something. That's fine. We're all needed. Some of us may be physically very active. Some of us are perhaps housebound. Men and women may well see things differently. At least that's my experience, and if we're married, we probably recognise that as well. We may have different preferences for worship according to our denominational background or our past experience. Lots of potential differences, but we're all distinct and unique and irreplaceable. There's no room for superiority. Verse 22 onwards, Paul says, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. God has given greater honour to those parts that lacked it. So there should be no division within the body. Think back to that metaphor of the orchestra. It can happen that some instrumental players have an inflated opinion of their own importance. Perhaps they're playing the tune. Perhaps they're playing most of the time. Perhaps they consider themselves to be making a much nicer sound. And if you had children practicing musical instruments, you'll know what I mean. However, the orchestra couldn't function without those other instruments that maybe just maintain a rhythm. Or maybe they play a harmony underneath the melody. Or maybe they only play occasionally and have to sit quietly counting the bars until their next little bit. But if they didn't all play, that piece would not work. 
And so in the church, it doesn't matter what sort of role we have, high or low profile, frequent or infrequent contributor, there is no hierarchy of value and all of us are important. And in addition, Paul stresses that we should be on the lookout for one another because, verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers. And if one part is honoured, everyone rejoices with it. Come in. We need each other. We ought to respect each other and sympathise with each other. And this applies to, to our attitude to each other, both here in the fellowship, but also to our wider Christian family. Particularly, we have a specific responsibility towards those we support in Goma, the, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, in Uzumitele, in Kenya. Other parts of the world where we have contact, especially countries where Christians are suffering for their faith. And hopefully, if you're a member, you've had the recent Mission of Giving leaflet sent through by email. And if not, there are hard copies out in the foyer. Hence, as we look at the wider Christian family, the importance of those other gifts mentioned in Romans 12, encouraging generosity, contributing to the needs of others. And so, in conclusion, Paul writes to Timothy, I remind you, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. And Peter wrote to the churches in various Roman provinces, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So how can we discover our gifts or fan them into flame if they become a little dormant? Perhaps we can encourage each other by taking the care and the time to recognise the gifts already beginning to be seen in the lives of those around us and affirming them as we're often reluctant to recognise our own gifts ourselves. Perhaps it's time to read through that list of gifts in the New Testament and pray that God will show us which gifts he has already given us or will give us. Because we're intermediaries and we can receive and use different gifts at different times. So may God convince us all that we are each individually an essential member of Jesus' body, the church. That we're each a member of God's orchestra which cannot play the symphony he's written without our contribution. And may he pour out his spirit and scatter his gifts liberally among us as we look to strengthen his body here in Camborne. Amen. Thank you, Nigel. So maybe there's a, a gift or ability that you have that God wants you to use to help build up his church. But maybe you're a bit shy of coming forward and need a little bit of a prod from God or a bit of encouragement from someone else. And we can always be a bullfrog to someone else, can't we? Or maybe you want to play a more active part in the church, but you don't know what your gifts are. So we're going to sing um, a song now, Build This House. It starts, All I Am and All I Have is Yours which we heard in the passage, all the gifts that we have come from God. 
So feel free to sit or stand or wander around the back, whatever works for you. But let's ask God to show you this morning and through this week what it is that he wants you to bring to the church. Maybe something you're already doing, maybe something different. Or maybe decide to chat to a friend this week um, who knows you well and might be able to say, hey, you'd be really good at doing whatever it is. Okay. Or maybe chat to your house group leader. But let's spend this time listening to God now for his word to us.